This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, YA is sponsored by TBR. Been dreaming of a stitch fix for books? Now it's here. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Visit mytbr.co slash treat yourself to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash treat yourself. Welcome to HeyYA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to updates on the latest and on-screen adaptations, HeyYA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. HeyYA is a book ride podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Thursday, September 13th, 2018, and today we have a very special guest who's joining us for the podcast. Welcome, Patrick Flores Scott. Hi, thanks you guys for having me. I'm really excited. I've been a big HeyYA fan, so I can't believe I'm sitting here <laughs> doing this. I can't believe you're sitting here. Like, literally, you are right next to me. Yeah! <laughs> Sharing headphones, man. Yep. In my fancy studio, <laughs> a.k.a. the kitchen. Which is an upgrade from the bed. It's true. Usually, I record the podcast on uh, the bed in my in my bedroom. Um, we could we could have done that, like sleepover style, you know, like I, you know, I'm up for anything. <laughs> this if works. That's a- how Hey YA rolls. This works. That's a how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick has a new book that will be out on shelves by the time this um, podcast hits. Correct? Yeah, because you're yeah, September 18th. 18th. So yeah, I can't believe it. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about, obviously tell us the title and give us the the pitch. We're going to talk about it some more as the show goes on. But Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's called American Road Trip. And I actually started writing it in 2009 in the midst of the economic crisis. And I was teaching and I was just uh, asking myself the question, like, how do kids like handle daily life and school and homework when I know some of them have parents who are losing jobs and people being foreclosed on in the midst of that crisis. And, uh, and also there were families with uh, loved ones coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put it all in this book. So my protagonist is a teen whose family is dealing with all those issues. The big hope for the family is his, the return of his brother from Iraq as a vet. He's going to fix all their problems. And he comes home and he's not the brother that uh, they had once new and uh, uh, the protagonist's big sister decides to take the two brothers on a road trip that's gonna that's an attempt to heal the family uh, a somewhat misguided attempt at trying to uh, put everything back together again and the book goes on from there <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let folks read it um, before I give away the entire thing but um, 
it's been a long time coming, and I'm just really excited to get it out there. And I do think the issues in the book, um, as much as it's kind of turned into historical fiction since the time I started writing it, um, I do think the issues are totally pertinent for, for today and for teens. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, Eric and I both read the book Yay. in the last month or so, mm-hmm. and uh, we've talked about it a little bit on the show here. So um, it it strikes me as weird to consider it historical fiction, but <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I totally get why, because it's set during that, the, you know, the economic crisis time, and yet... You know, there are families just like the one in the book that, like, there hasn't been a recovery yet. So to them, it's still still contemporary realistic fiction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's still families who are dealing with uh, dads and brothers and cousins um, and sisters and moms coming home from coming home from these wars that we're still uh, insisting on fighting. So, yeah, it's totally contemporary and pertinent yeah, and I loved it. You know, it's perfect if you really liked, um, you know, like Brian Bliss's Meet Me Here, who is a Hey YA favorite who we will talk about in quite a bit, because <laughs> um, that book talks about PTSD and uh, military in a really big way. And um, if you like John Corey Whaley's um, Highly Illogical Behavior, because um, a big plot point in that is a girl who is trying to fix, uh, quote unquote, a boy who is uh, wrestling with mental health uh, issues and uh, yeah, I think Patrick blends those quite quite well. Well, it's uh, it's an honor to be compared to the, to those guys. I, I will I will take that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we dive into the the meat and potatoes of the show, or the potatoes and potatoes, if you don't like meat, <laughs> let's talk about what we've been reading lately. And uh, I'll I'll start. You know, after my I haven't been reading lately, like slump last episode. I finally been just like blowing through YA books again. And uh, first, I adored Darius the Great is Not Okay by Deep Karam. Um, I've been talking about that, wanting to read it for, I don't know, months on the show. And my library copy finally came in and I read it in like one go. And, you know, the thing that really struck me with it is that it was probably the closest I have read in a YA book uh the depiction of depression was the closest to what I have personally experienced. And it was just, it was so cool to see that play out, even though it's also horrifying to see it play out. Um, it just, it, it resonated. And as I was reading it, it reminded me of like the perfect blend of Crystal Chan's All That I Can Fix, which I loved. And uh, Sarah Farrison's Here to Stay. It like takes the best of both those things, um, mashes them together and still manages to like have this, like humor to it. I mean, it's, I wouldn't call it a funny book, but the main character is funny and that really shows through in everything that he is dealing with, um, in his life. And then as soon as I finished that one, I dove into a book called Agony House by Cherie Priest and Tara O'Connor, which when I picked it up, I had no idea. It's a hybrid graphic novel slash novel. So it's got a comic within the book itself, which is very cool. Um, it's about a haunted house in New Orleans and it's just, it's really fun and smart and the use of the comic is really clever in the story. And, uh, yeah, I just, I was super into the format, into the style, and it would be perfect for, uh, younger YA readers, especially It kind of hits that nice, like 13, 14, 15 demographic that I think sometimes we don't get enough books that are like perfect for that. 
for that yeah. age group. I didn't know Cherry Pierce had a new book out. Um, I'm such a big fan of all of her. Jeez, like Earl Catalog. Like in her books, I feel like they cross over in like a really big way. Like I know she wrote like, oh shoot, is it Princess X? Is that is that the yeah. yeah yeah? And you know, I know that was for YA the YA audience, but like even like her. Her, like, Clockwork Century, like, the Bone Shaker books. Um, like, I know those for adults, but, like, if I had that book as a teenager, I would have just inhaled all of those books, like, immediately. Um, I remember on the cover of Bone Shaker, it, like, describes it as, like, a, it says, like, steampunk pirate airship zombie adventure. And I was like, oh, wow, that checks off everything I love. <laughs> um, so that's awesome. I'm going to uh, have to look that up. Yeah, it's a, it's a book you would really like. Nice. You would really like it. Awesome. Um, let's see. Well, as for me, I'm going to risk YA jail again um, because I'm reading another middle grade book. Um, but it's by a very prolific YA author. Um, hopefully I'll be okay. But yeah, I started reading Victoria Schwab's uh, City of Ghosts, and it is just, oh goodness, it's just so charming. Um I don't know. There's not much I could say about it because I only just started it, but it is just a delightful little book, and I'm really glad to see that she's branching out uh, into into middle grade books. I wonder if we'll have some some picture books from her next. Um, mm-hmm. They'd probably be really creepy picture books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this weekend I got to do a festival here in Ann Arbor that Patrick was also at, um, and I ran into Caleb Roig, who's an Evergreen HayYA favorite. Um, but Joelle, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Is it Char- Charbonneau? Charbonneau. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she was part of the festival, too. And, um, like, I never read the testing books, um, but I picked up a copy of her latest YA fantasy series, uh, Dividing Eden. Um, it's a second book in this duology uh, called Eden Conquered. It just came out this summer. Um, but the first book's in paperback, and I scooped it up. Um, and it reminds me a lot of reading, like, Three Dark Crowns by, by Kendar Blake, only uh, instead of three siblings battling for the crown, we have two. Um, they're twins. Uh, and they have to undergo all these trials to win the kingdom. I feel like trials and tests are like a big thing in her novels, um, which I am all about. Um, just a few pages in, I'm really digging it. I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, and I feel like this is like the latest book in a series of, oh my goodness, I'm doing an event with this author, now I have to read their books sort, sort of thing. Um, that seems to keep happening to me. That's a good thing. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. I'm, down, I'm down with that. What about you, Patrick? What are you What are you reading? All right. I just finished reading We Are All That's Left by Carrie Arcos. It's got a bunch of stuff that hits me, like, right in my wheelhouse, like family war history, a mom who is an enigma and a mystery to the uh, protagonist, to the team protagonist, uh, the protagonist's creativity. She's a photographer, and I love that. Mm. And it all uh, equaled... Me, it all added up to equal me crying a bunch of times in that book. I just really loved it. I put that down and I started reading The Poet X. And it's just gorgeous verse uh, by master poet and slam powerhouse Elizabeth Acevedo. And um, I'm holding the Kleenex box close on this one. (laughs) Uh, She's amazing. And I'm finally reading uh, Laura Ruby's Bone Gap for my book club. I'm in a, a book club here. The writing is funny and gritty and magical so far, and that book is uh, its just kind of addictive. I really like it. I love what a range of like books you're reading at the same time. Uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? Actually, the book club, and I'm in a, I'm in a couple of them with like mostly like older uh, librarians and writer wannabes, and these clubs like send me off in different directions, which is a great, great thing, and I'm lucky to have them. 
So speaking of, I, I was like, I was going to say, speaking of Laura Ruby, because her book was an award winner, I could actually just go off what you were talking about with uh, The Poet X. Yeah. yeah. We talk about the National Book Award long list oh, for young people's literature that was announced yesterday. It's incredible. Like, I feel like I let loose like a like a frightening scream when I saw it. And I saw that Brian Bliss uh, was nominated for We'll Fly Away. Um, I feel like he's like a writer that I'm always like, you know, look up any animated GIF where someone is throwing like a book at somebody. That's like me <laughs> <laughs> trying to get more people to read him. And like, I just can't wait to see, you know, how this affects his career. And uh, yeah, that's, it just made me so happy. Yeah. And I was, I was thrilled. Uh, we had talked about the Poet X a few times on the mm-hmm. show and that one got a nod yeah. as did one that we've talked about many times, which is uh, Blood, Water, Paint by Joy McCullough. Um, I was also I was so thrilled to see more than one nonfiction title on that list as well. Um, yeah, that is cool. It's I feel like nonfiction gets such like short shrift on so many awards lists, um, and it was just nice to see that recognized here. Um, Jarrett Kroskoka's "Hey Kiddo," which I talked about on the show, um, I think that book is going to blow up as soon as it's out. Um, it's a graphic memoir, and it's super powerful and uh, a look at addiction and mental illness and it's also one of those books that's like super reassuring to kids that you know whatever their life circumstances are that they can't control they can eventually find their own way and it's just you know one of those like hits you in the heart books oh i'm i'm thrilled what a great list yeah uh, that's that's augie that's augie he is also very excited uh, about all of this (laughs) So uh, let's let's hit our first sponsor and then we'll dive in uh, where Patrick's going to be a like real expert for us in this this topic. Uh, so our first sponsor is Ken's by Razzle Reed. Ladies, get ready to clutch those pearls. Ken Hilton rules Willows High with his carbon copies, Ken Roberts and Ken Carson. All Ken's are created from the same mold, straight out of Satan's doll factory sold sold separately a once in a lifetime chance at becoming a ken changes everything for shy under the radar tommy but how far is he willing to go to become a ken ken hilton makes regina george look like mr rogers unlike anything else in ya ken's is a biting social commentary and savage takedown of consumer culture Taking cues from cult classics like Heather's and Mean Girls, award-winning author Razel Reed pulls no punches and holds no bars. Ken's is available September 18th, so it's available when you're listening, from Penguin Random House Canada. And it sounds bonkers good. That sounds wild. I like I had to stop and pause as I was reading it because I was like, no, no, yes, this is a book I want to read. There's also some tongue twisters in that jacket copy, too. I love it. Yeah. It's like, Ken Hilton rules Willows High with his carbon copies. Ken, 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 Ken. Yes. <laughs> soul. Soul, soul separately. Soul separately. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. Okay. I need to read that one. That sounds really cool. <laughs> same. Same, man. Uh, so, not a book about Ken, but uh, <laughs> rather, let's, let's talk about a big thing in YA literature that's been a big thing since pretty much the dawn of YA literature because... It goes hand in hand with um, teen culture and when teen culture started to rise. And that is the YA Road Trip book. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and before did you I, go on go a Hawaii road trip when you were younger, Kelly? I did not because I did not have a car until I was in my twenties. Oh, I did not drive. Uh, well, ever actually, I still don't know how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, Patrick? Yeah, I, I took a trip with friends out to the ocean. I lived in uh, the uh, east of Seattle in a small town, and uh, our parents trusted a bunch of us to get in the car and travel out to the ocean, and mm. we had a we had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I want to before we dive into like talking about specific titles and stuff, something that has always struck me with YA road trip novels, and it's something I've been thinking about. I mean, for the better part of a decade, is they're so white and they have been so white for a long time. We're uh, we're finally seeing a change in this. And I think a big part of that is more authors are able to have their voice put in to a story and their voices are sharing more of their experiences and more of their observations about what it is to be a, a marginalized teen. So, so what I'm wondering is like why it took so long to see more inclusivity in our Y road trip books and um, how race sort of gets addressed in these books because that's a big plot point to, to wrestle with when it comes to teens on a road trip because there's a lot of issues with safety and um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that up to you to, to dive in. Yeah, um, in terms of the why it's taken so long question. It was cool. I ran into this uh, guy who's an American studies professor at the University of Michigan. And I threw this, he studies pop culture and he studies questions like this. And um, he was like, that is a great question. I'm like, that would make a good uh, dissertation. He's like, I'm sure somebody's out there studying this. So we got to get a hold of that person. I also think it would make such a phenomenal panel um, at a big conference. I'd love to see like Jason Reynolds and, um, Mm -hmm. Jacqueline Woodson and people up there talking about talking about this subject but um for me I mean your question is really what has brought it up for me so when I I thought about it I figured you know there's the publishing side of things which is just about more representation and when that representation angle changes there's just going to be more road trip stories there's going to be more sci-fi there's going to be more fantasy um but there's also a writer end of things and a historical end of things and you kind of touched on this in terms of of safety um, out on the road. I, I talked to my wife about this subject because in our house, I'm the, the white uh, South American Latinx and my wife is the Mexican American Latinx. So we had this conversation and uh, I was, the you know, stood in for the white author. I am a white author and my wife was a stand-in for a Mexicana author. And I pulled both of us <laughs> and I told her what I told you guys that my parents as a teen, did indeed allow me to um, to take a road trip with other teens, with other YAs. And so that's part of my uh, teen schema, like my background. Um, that's something that I can pull from as a YA author. And when I asked her, when I pulled my wife on this, she said there is no way in heck her parents would have let her take a similar road trip across the state with teens. Um, and out of fear, and I think for the road trip, there's this notion of um, wind in your hair, freedom, hitting the wide open American road. There's uh, all kinds of possibility for adventure. And uh, 
for folks of color, that history has been totally different. The open road is a inhospitable and terrifying place. So, so we come at this from different uh, cultural points of view in terms of what our teen scheme would be. And there's also piled on top of that is uh, gender. So she's a Mexicana author. Um, we talked about the fact that my parents would have probably been a little bit less likely to allow my sisters on a similar trip. And her parents would have been a little more likely to allow her brother on the trip. So piled on top of that is, is gender. So um, the two of us came to the conclusion, my wife said, that uh, if she were an author, she wouldn't be likely to write that road trip book. And she wanted to throw in, and I think this is a similar, similar topic, that um, te- her teen schema would not include uh, a potential YA book about being in a boarding school or on a tennis or swim team or anything involving camping or national parks because those are uh, places that weren't as wouldn't have been open to her or friendly towards her. So, and I, I wanted to say that uh, like the family road trip is a totally different thing. Like mm-hmm. all families take road trips and often. Um, and for families of color, again, it's despite the dangers. I mean, you have to go visit family, and you you go. And so there, like, the, there's the Watsons go to Birmingham, and this book I discovered, Ruth and the Green Book, a middle grade uh, about an African American family traveling and using the Green Book. Have you guys heard of the Green Book? No, I don't know. It, it was a book, I think it was, it was like from the 30s through the 60s. This book was written by a gentleman named Green who wanted to... Uh, provide um, this road trip guide to families traveling throughout the U.S. for African-American families to hit places that would be specifically um, safe Oh wow! for African-American families. It's funny, it's, he presents it in this really like friendly, sweet, wait, like we're going to do write this book so that you can have a nice, easy time on your trip. But really it's like, it, it was more life and death. And, mm-hmm. and, and people knew that. Um, so there's an actual middle grade uh, called Ruth and the Green Book by Cal, uh, Calvin Alexander Ramsey. And, uh, and so these family trips uh, kind of make for better middle grade when you're talking about why there aren't YA books. Because not a lot of teen writers, uh, writers for teens, want to write a book about a kid stuck uh, in a car with his mom and dad for a thousand miles. <laughs> um, although I want to make it perfectly clear for any authors who want to write that book, um, I would totally read it. So I, would I. I, wanna, I mean, that is like um, putting a family in a Petri dish and, and adding uh, drama to it and see, see what happens. Like, can you imagine a mom and a teen son driving from, like, Maine to Southern California? Like, the whole book is just their dialogue back and forth. Like, I I would be all in for that. Yeah, me too. I mean, there could be a lot of grunts and groans uh, from from the son in the beginning. And then at some point, like, uh, he cracks and, and the floodgates open and they have it out. And I think it I think it could actually be amazing. Um, I did took a, took a family trip with... Uh, a road trip with my family from the Seattle area to Wisconsin. Um, the three of us were all teenagers at the same time. Me oh, and whoa. my two sisters. There were um, 
there were, you know, mental health issues going on in that back seat and general teen issues going on in that back seat. And uh, I, I would never in a million years do that trip again. <laughs> but again, I would, I would read the teen book that somebody would write based on a trip like that. Oh, man. I, you said so much smart stuff. I don't even have anything to like add to that at all because it's just brilliant. Um, something Eric and I have talked about a little bit is with those like, um, I've been calling them girl versus nature books. We've had a few this year that are like a girl is in the woods or something happens and she's isolated with nature and they've all been white teens. Um, and it it's one of those things that's like I think about when I see them and I really enjoy them and then I'm like, okay, but they're all white. What is that saying? Mm. You know, because sometimes it's seeing the commonality and wondering, well, what does that say about why we're not seeing something else? And uh, just, it was very smart what you had to say. <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing else to add there. Yeah, I, I did have those one other thing about uh like this professor guy he said the road trip has been coded white in pop uh-huh. culture mm. and in terms of like Kerouac and you know like easy rider and all this stuff and i i think of like the road as an inhospitable uh place for folks of color but like there's a an imagination space um this coding of an of an creative idea as white and maybe it's difficult to to see yourself as part of that space as well Mm -hmm. as it's difficult to see yourself um, in the actual space of the open road so I I think that's an interesting question too and I guess it's just up to um, folks to make these spaces safer and up to people of color like they are in politics right now to say you know what i'm going to own this space this space is mine and i'm Do you do want that. to uh to start by sharing a road trip book you like obviously we've we've hit on the like good meeting juicy stuff and now we get to the part where readers are like okay so tell me what books to read that are good <laughs> One that uh as i was becoming an author i was reading some Matt de la Peña and um we were here uh, it's just a gut-wrenching take on the whole genre. So um, the protagonist, Miguel, is in a juvenile group home after committing an undisclosed crime that it feels like it just broke him, but it also broke his family. And um, he busts out of this juvenile group home with a couple buddies, uh, and he road trips it to Mexico where he thinks he can get a new start. Um, the writing just drips with desperation and a profound sadness um, for these like young lives that feel so prematurely tragic. It's a, a beautiful and tough read. Um, I also had Going Bovine by Liva Bray. <laughs> yes. And this is a mm-hmm. love it or hate it book, I think. <laughs> um, but it's a surreal dream romp road trip that uh, takes place, I think, in the real world of a teen's mad cow tainted imagination. Um <laughs> And, and the book might drive you nuts, too, um, but it's unique and it's twisted and super funny. It's a super funny take on the road trip. And um, one last one I wanted to mention, uh, it isn't a road trip book, um, this Seeing Off the Johns by Renee S. Perez, but the book is about a town's response to a tragic road trip. So, like, 
so the road trip is this thing full of this adventure, full of possibility. Um, but what about what about the small town in this book that gets left behind? Like, where mm-hmm. do they sit in terms of that possibility? And things are even less great for them when that road trip ends in tragedy. So it's two high school baseball stuff baseball stars both named John um, the book takes place in a little Texas town they head off to college in a truck and they die in this horrible accident and so yeah it's like road trips are about freedom and leaving town and new possibilities and uh, and this town is just left to stew after this road trip ends in disaster and um, so it, the road trip reverbera- reverberates throughout this whole novel uh, and it's especially meaningful for the team protagonist, Chong Gonzalez, who uh, he sees the loss of the Johns as this tragedy, but he's also very darkly the one person in town who also sees their absence as an opportunity for him. Ooh. So yeah, uh, check it out. It's a Cinco Puntos Press book. That's really cool. They do interesting stuff. They yeah, do. they do. I'm a fan. They really do. I actually bought that book in the Cinco Puntos Press office in El Paso, where no my way. sister and her family live. Nice. And they have, I've, I've never been, but I've seen pictures of the office, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like a bookstore, and uh-huh. then there's people in desks in the back who are the publishers. <laughs> <laughs> like, not what you would expect when you're, you know, in Midtown Manhattan going to the publishers at all. <laughs> exactly. And they, I've talked to the publisher, and he's like, they're not the center of publishing. We're the center of publishing. <laughs> um, he's like, this is where things are happening. And I think he met independent publishers um, mm-hmm. in general, but it was a really cool conversation to have with him about, about um, publishing and, and diverse books and all that kind of stuff. Because they've been doing it since they started. Yeah, yeah, he did say this isn't about we need diverse books. This is about our mission from day one. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that's and they had the big uh, Morris Award winner um, just a yes. couple of years ago that I think you were going to mention, Gabby. Well, I don't know. Yeah, if you're gonna um, Gabby, a girl in pieces by Isabel Quintero. We were going to maybe hit on that when we get later in the show, but if yes. not, there's the title of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's what I had. Eric, do you want to do you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. So I feel like my two favorite. YA road trip books are very similar um, and I don't know maybe that just speaks to my taste a little bit but um, two that I want to bring up were uh, Let's Get Lost by Adi Alcide and uh, An Infinite Number of Parallel Universes uh, by Randy Ribay um, so both of these are, are sort of told in snapshots um, in Let's Get Lost we meet four different characters who all connect due to one person a girl named Layla uh, who has this huge impact on each of their lives as she passes through along her way on her journey Um, so it's almost like five little novellas, like all stitched together in one book. It's like really charming and fun and sometimes kind of heartbreaking. Um, and whenever I think about this book, I think about, and Kelly, you probably remember this, like when it came out, I remember at Book Expo in New York, there were these like gigantic banners, uh, for Let's Get Lost just everywhere. It was like the book everyone was pushing. Um, and it's what launched, um, Adi and like, I love... Oh, I love his books. Um, and that is Let's Get Lost by Adi Alsaid. Um And the other one uh, by Randy Ribe. Um, so this is a really underrated one that went under the radar that does something really similar here. Um, it's set around Philadelphia and Camden. 
Um, and we met a handful of teenagers who love Dungeons and Dragons, and they've all been friends forever. Uh, and they're finding their group is splintering a little bit due to moving and complicated families and, and growing apart. Like the usual things that teenagers face um, as they get older and start to move on from high school. Like people grow apart. It happens and it's painful and everyone warns you, uh, but you never want to listen. You're like, oh, no, me and so-and-so are going to be friends forever. And then you can't remember their last name like when you get to college. Um so there's all this really realistic stuff that's going on, and towards the end, it comes together in a road trip. Um, what for, I cannot say, um, <laughs> but it touches on a lot of the issues that Patrick was just talking about, like the challenges of being a person of color uh, out on the open road. Um, so it's, you know, it's funny, it's serious, it does a lot of really neat things, um, and yeah, I feel like a lot of people slept on it. So uh, pick that one up, uh, as his uh, later books are, are getting quite popular. I have some more, but you go ahead. What what are you? What road trips <laughs> books do you like? So uh, what I read earlier this year that came out earlier this year is um, Miriam Sharma hits the road by Sheba Karam. Um, it didn't get a whole lot of talk, and I sort of wish it got more. Um, it's a story of three brown kids who go on a road trip to escape the wrath that one of the girls expects to experience from her parents when a billboard that she modeled for hits Times Square. Oh, whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this book has a lot of lying and deceit in it, uh, but in the way that, like, teens who are, like – so the teens in this one are older. They're, like, 19, 20. Uh, so their lying and deceit is more about, like, how they do and don't keep their parents in the loop about things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, and it does a really good job of being aware of, like – being a, a brown teenager driving through the South. Like, this is not a thing that they ignore. And it comes up quite frequently. And it's, um, when I read it, I was like, this is really refreshing to see them talk about it um, and to share both sort of the fear, but also the, like, humor in it, too. Like, they're all in knowing that this is a thing that they might experience. And, um, you know, one way to kill the tension in it is to is to make light of it. And, uh yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. That was uh, Miriam Sharma Hits the Road by Sheba Karam. I totally have that on my bookshelf right now, and I haven't picked it up. Now I'm going to have to because <laughs> I didn't realize that was the, the background of it. That's oof. I'll line up yeah. for that copy, yeah. too, when you're for sure. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, another one that I liked is uh, The Devil You Know by Trish Doler. It's um, – a road trip book set entirely in Florida, and it follows a, a girl named Katie who she's bored with her life and wants something interesting. She wants an adventure. So she meets this pair of cousins, they're boys, and they offer to take her on such an adventure. And uh, so she jumps at it. Except, as it turns out, what she thought would be like a fun and sexy, you know, romp through the woods of Florida uh, becomes a little bit more freakier when she discovers one of those boys is not good news at all. Uh, And that is The Devil You Know by Trish Dollar. So more thriller, uh, but with the road trip aspect to it. And then uh, the last one I'll talk about, I think I've talked about before, but it's worth repeating. And that is, uh, it's a historical fiction called Mare's War by Tanita S. Davis. And uh, it's about... What happens when grandma is who you're forced to endure a road trip with? Hmm. Oh, uh, wow. Octavia and Tally are, um, they're not thrilled to go with grandma on this road trip because grandma's a little embarrassing. We're, <laughs> we're talking like 
Grandma drives a red sports car and she wears wigs and push-up bras. Like, she is not what you expect grandma to be. (laughs) Uh, But during the course of the road trip, they learn that their grandma is pretty freaking awesome. She was was a member of the African-American Battalion of the Women's Army Corps during World War II. So uh, their trip becomes a lot more fascinating as they learn about, like, what Grandma did and about the history of um, that battalion in, you know, the Great War that they have learned about in school but don't really have the, like, personal context for. Um, And that book, the hardcover copy has a very, like, middle grade feel to it, Mm -hmm. um, which is appropriate for the book. It's not an inappropriate cover. They changed the paperback to, like, one of the most striking covers I have ever seen um, that if if the book sounds interesting, go look at the covers because they tell two different stories of who the book is for, except they also tell the same story in terms of, like, what is at the heart of the book. That sounds awesome. I'll have to look it up. Um, I can list two more really quick. Uh, so there's The Disenchantments by Nina LaCour, who is a, another uh, favorite of ours on the podcast. Uh, and I think it counts as a road trip book. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. uh, teenagers hopping in the car, going on an adventure. It's uh, teenagers in an indie band going on tour, uh, which counts as a road trip, I think. So um, in the book, we have a roadie. Uh, who's wrestling with the possibility of losing his best friend, who is the singer of the band, um, as she plans to ditch all their plans that they've had of uh, rock and roll and traveling across Europe for a life at college. Um, so he's grappling with his feelings and just what he wants to do with his life. He's sort of put everything behind, in, you know, he's put it all behind this band and it's uh, all kind of falling apart. And I love this book because, like, like the band is sort of unashamed of the fact that they're bad and it's just really funny. Um, it's great. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, got into Nina LaCour as a result of her winning the Prince, uh, maybe pick up her earlier work because this book is great. Um, and the other one I want to bring up because I think it offers some fun inside baseball YA stuff is, uh, Daniel Efferhat's, uh, the afterlife. Um, it's a little older book. This book came out like 10 years ago. um, so uh, it's it's uh, came out in no 2006. So it's 12 years ago. Oh goodness, time time is a thing. Um, so it's one of those <laughs> rare YA novels uh, about a 19 year old um, and a clause in this uh, teen's uh, father's will says he has to take a road trip with his half siblings. Um, it's a really sh- it's a shorter YA. I feel like you can read it in like two hours. Uh, and I said Inside Baseball because I think this is pretty interesting that Daniel uh, is the publisher over at Soho Teen. So all the books that we've brought up on this podcast over the past year have been worked on by him. He's uh, handled Adam Silvera's first two books, um, The Unfinished Life of Addison Stone by Del Griffin, Razorhurst uh, by Justine Oh, shoot. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Larbalastir, I think. Larbalastir. Um, and then he's worked on books in my agent life, um, Samir Ahmed's books and some others. Uh, so, yeah, you never know who you're reading. He uh, He's worked on some cool things. <laughs> uh, I'll throw one more out, and I won't talk about it much, but uh, one that I feel like uh, I don't want to say started the trend of seeing more uh, teens of color hitting the road, but one that, like, made it big and very obvious uh, is Everything Everything by Nicole Yoon. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do go on that road trip. Yeah, they go to Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's some driving. (laughs) Oh, I love that book and the movie. (laughs) 
Uh, do you want to read our second sponsor and then we'll dive into our second topic? Yes, I do. So, uh, for our second sponsor today, we are going to talk about Grim Lovelies by Megan Shepard, uh, due out with HMH. So, from the best-selling author of the Madman's Daughter trilogy comes Grim Lovelies, the first in a glittering new epic YA series where secrets have long been buried. Friends can become enemies, and everything, especially humanity, comes at a price. Perfect for fans of Marissa Meyer, Holly Black, Cassandra Clare, uh, called a darkly enchanting saga, bound to attract fans of Lee Bardugo, uh, by Entertainment Weekly. So, uh, Grim Lovelies, by New York Times bestselling author Megan Shepard, is a dark YA fantasy. Uh, perfect fans of Lee Bardugo or Lonnie Taylor. Uh, and you can pre-order it at GrimLovelies.com. Uh, if you submit proof of purchase, uh, you'll automatically receive a free branded tote bag. Uh, plus, there's a free sweepstakes uh, of luxury fashion, beauty, and Paris-themed products worth over $500. So head to groupandlovelies.com for all the details. A free tote bag? Yes. Like, clearly, uh, HMH knows book people and publishing, uh, <laughs> as I have a, a wide swath of tote bags <laughs> full of book stuff. You just can never have it. It's true. You never have bags. enough. <laughs> Who wants to uh, introduce us? Do you want Eric? Why don't you do it? Yeah, so we wanted to spend some time talking about Hispanic Heritage Month uh, because there are just so many great books out there um, that are certainly worth digging into and talking about that I don't even think we're going to get to all of them. Maybe we'll have to talk no. about some. <laughs> might have to talk about some more uh, at a, on a later episode. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about some of our favorite copies, some uh, copies, some of our favorite books. Um, that you might want to pick up and read uh, over the next once Hispanic. It starts, uh, oh goodness. The 15th. 15th. It's, so yeah. by the time this episode airs, um, all the way through October 15th. So you have lots of time to read some uh, really great books. So, uh, Kelly, what are some of your picks? So my first one, I think I've talked about it on the show. Like, I feel like this is a common refrain. I think I've talked about this before, <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about it again. And that is I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by Erica L. Sanchez, uh, which is being made into a film, too. Yay! And uh, so Erica is lovely, and uh, she tells this story that I think about all the time where she um, – she grew up in Cicero, Illinois, which is a Chicago suburb, and it's very Hispanic there. And one of the things that she discovered is that a lot of the children there were having a hard time getting library cards. Uh, too much paperwork was required, paperwork that parents didn't want to provide or simply didn't have. And uh, so she made it a mission to make it easier for kids to get library cards there. And uh, you can just – you can look it up, the story. Wow. And I think about that all the time, just like – how many barriers she broke down to make sure that, you know, kids like her could have access to their own public library. Oh, that's, um, that's amazing. That is inspiring. Yeah. yeah. So she uh, she's awesome. And this book has been uh, returning to the bestseller list, too. It, it hit when it published, and then it's come back for a couple of weeks now, which is great. Um and it's, a, it's about a girl whose sister who has died, and now she is feeling the pressure to be the, quote, good Mexican daughter that her sister was, except that's not who she wants to be at all. She's very independent. Um, she kind of doesn't feel like she would ever fit into that role well um, and certainly could never replace who her sister was in the family. Um, she really wants to make mistakes and be messy, but she also can't stop sort of worrying about what that might mean um, 
in her family and in her community and uh, set in Chicago. It's just so, so good. Um, and that is I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by Erica L. Sanchez. Awesome. I will dig into one. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll go back and forth a little bit. Yeah, um, totally. So what I want to talk about uh, is, is a little more uh, fantasy-esque. It is uh, The Girl at Midnight by Melissa Gray. Um, so this is a really underrated YA fantasy series. Um, there's three books, trilogy. Um, if you're a fan of Cassandra Clare's books, where the magic is kind of in plain sight but hidden amongst us in the shadows and in the city, um, this book of magic and mayhem uh, under the streets of New York City is definitely for you. Um, in it, we meet a teen girl. Uh, she's a human in the world of these dragon-like, and bird-like beings who live under the city streets uh, who have this uh, war that's brewing between them. There's been a a standing peace, um, but, I mean, if you read a YA fantasy novel, if there's a standing peace, things are about to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she discovers that she might have the power to turn the tides, um... Due to uh, who she uh, who she might be, um, so the book makes me think a lot of um, Hellboy Two: The Golden Army. Um, not just because it's underrated and beautiful, but because of like the diverse casts and just uh, just everything is just so lushly put together. The world building is just extraordinary, um, and a lot of people slept on that one. So we should fix that. So pick up this book by uh, an awesome author uh, during Hispanic Heritage Month. Very cool. I wanted to uh, talk about Out of Darkness by Ashley Ho Perez. Um, It was a Prince Honor book, and really, uh, I think it's one of the most powerful things I've ever read. Mm -hmm. Um, The story centers around a Mexican protagonist, Mexican, um, a teen left to live with her mom's white ex-boyfriend in the East Texas oil fields in the 1930s. Uh, There's an industrial disaster, school explosion, uh, racism against Mexicans and African-Americans. There's forbidden teen love, uh, abuse, and uh, a ton of heroism. And a a lot of folks are scared to read this book because they've heard how brutal it is. Uh, But it's so worth making the effort, and I just want to keep this book out there. the writing is beautiful and gut-wrenching and stunning. It It's one of those books that will stay with you forever, I think. And um, I think it's one of those books that should stay with you forever. Um, it's There's just a lot of important uh, historical stuff in there that um, reverberates to this day, I think. That's awesome. Pat, you're dropping so many books that I haven't read or heard of. Like, this is fantastic. I I did read this one. I loved it, and I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, it's one of those books that if you go in knowing it's going to be brutal, I think it's easier to sort of compartmentalize what's going on to also ferret out, like, the stuff that is really worth taking away from it. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, it is good to know. It did. It's. It actually took me two tries at it. I, I read maybe fifty pages, and then a few months later, oh wow, I uh, I came back to it, and I just like inhaled the whole thing, <laughs> and was just a wreck afterwards. And, and uh, I invite you all to be a wreck after reading this book. <laughs> uh, my next one is "All the Wind in the World" by Samantha Mabry. It's an unconventional love story set in the desert southwest where Sarah, Jack, and James work in the fields. But a terrible accident forces them to find a new job. And so when they landed in New Ranch, 
All they want to do is like keep their heads low, pocket away money so that they can have their future together. Uh, but that doesn't happen because there, there wouldn't be a book, you know, if it was that easy. Um, so uh, they think maybe this ranch is cursed. And uh, so what Sarah, Jack and James do is they sack away enough money in hopes of making it on their own. But uh, this job makes that a little bit challenging. And uh, what really makes this book stand out is it's um, it's a love story between cousins, which is always one of those tricky topics in any literature. But it's also tricky when it's I don't it, it, I don't know if this book is historical per se, but uh, it feels a little bit historical to me. And maybe it's just the setting um, and per- perhaps it's the setting, too, that makes that sort of relationship feel more intense and more tenuous and um romantic too um it's a really romantic story and a story with a lot of magic in it and uh man the writing is just outstanding um and that is all the wind in the world by samantha mabry yeah and that was a national book award long list last year wasn't it yeah 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 yeah. and i also want to chime in about samantha mabry so her books are so good they they almost make me angry um like so beautiful and her first book uh, a fierce and subtle poison was just like brilliant. It was just like retelling. Um, maybe it wasn't a purposeful retelling, but it felt like a retelling of uh, Rappacini's Daughter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, you know, the sort of story of the poison girl who has poison in her body and kid that falls in love with her. Um, and the language is just, just, ugh, it's just so gorgeous. Um, pick up both her books. I don't know if you've seen the paperback for All the Wind in the World, but it's like this sort of little thing. Um, and I feel like you could just like read both her books in a weekend and. I don't know, feel refreshed, you know, like they're just, the language is so gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll either be really happy or just really mad at how, <laughs> how good the writing is. <laughs> um, let me see. I also wanted to talk about um, More Happy Than Not. I, I know I talked about Adam's editor a minute ago, um, but yeah, I got to talk about this book. Um, it is one of my favorites. Um, this book made me cry. Uh, the ugliest of any novel I've ever read to the point that when I was reading the arc, my wife live tweeted photos of me sobbing. Um, <laughs> she was like live tweeting the pictures of me crying uh, at the author and the publisher. And, you know, I just, I married very well. That's um, <laughs> so it's this devastating story about a teen who uses a uh, like eternal, the sun, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind esque technology to forget that he's gay. Um, and it's just this really powerful YA contemporary with just like a little splash of sci-fi, which is something Adam Savera does so well, just like blending in uh, those genres in a really clever way. Um, and it's funny because I really can't say much more else about the story or I'll ruin it. Um, but that's what's at the heart of it. And prepare to be uh, broken into lots and lots of pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a... Uh... Benjamin Alire's signs. Um, just because a lot of people are waiting for bated breath, at least on Twitter, that's how it seems, for uh, his follow-up to the great Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Mm. So I just want to encourage folks to uh, go back and check out Sam, Sammy and Juliana in Hollywood. Um, I just love that book. Uh, it's a Vietnam-era novel that centers around a group of friends who are in the midst of making life decisions that might take them away from their hometown and pull them apart forever, which feels like very classic YA territory. But mm. he, he just does it so so beautifully and so gorgeously. And um, 
that neighborhood is set really close to where my wife grew up too, which adds a lot to it for me. Um, and my mother-in-law is the one who gave me the book. <laughs> um, so uh, Sammy and Juliana in Hollywood, check it out. I love learning about um, backlist titles from authors who like hit it big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the, in the midst of their career rather than right at the start. And so I always appreciate like, go back and read these recommendations. Yeah, thanks. This uh, this is this is a good one, if I say so myself. I am going to talk about a book I haven't read, um, which I try not to do, but in this case, I, I'm going to do it. And uh, the it's a comic called Border Town by Eric M. Esquivel and uh, Ramon Villalobos. Um, it's a comic. I'd asked some of the book riot folks to tell me if they could think of any YA comics by Latinx authors, and I've got... I I prefaced it with don't tell me about Gabby Rivera doing America Chavez. So I'm going to talk about her book uh, next round, and I don't want Isabel Quintero's um, biography that she did this year and has been receiving some wonderful acclaim for. Um, tell me if there's something else, and this is the one that came up. Uh, I haven't read it, but the description is making me want to read it like yesterday, and I'm just going to read the description. Uh, when a crack in the border between worlds releases an army of monsters from Mexican folklore, the residents of Devil's Fork, Arizona, blame the ensuing weirdness, the shared nightmares, the otherworldly radio transmissions, the mysterious goat mutilations on, quote, God dang illegals. With racial tensions supernaturally charged, it's up to new kid in town, Frank Dominguez, and a motley crew of high school misfits to discover what's really going on in this town torn between worlds. It sounds awesome. I also hear the kitten. (laughs) Yes, the kitten had things to say, too. Um, (laughs) That does sound awesome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, um, it's from Vertigo Comics, and it's called Border Town by Eric M. Esquivel and Ramon Villalobos. Nice. I have one more quick recommendation, and that is uh, Labyrinth Lost by Zarada Cordova. Um, in it, we meet a young, powerful bruja who would rather uh, not embrace her gifts um, until she accidentally sends her family into another dimension. Um, oh, what a mistake. Um, this book is beautiful. Um, it's about a, a teen girl starting to um, you know, really realize what her heritage is and what it means to her um, and why she should really uh, embrace it. Um, and it's just this really great journey through this amazing world uh, that Cordova has written. Um, the sequel just came out. Oh, goodness. When did that sequel come out? Fairly recently. Uh, and there's a third book on the way, as well as a movie, so I hear. Oh, boy. That kitten is also very excited. Uh, <laughs> and that is Labyrinth Lost. Great. I'll, I'll throw in one more. Yes. Uh, just a shout-out to Afro Latinx YA and Daniel Jose Older's Shadow Shaper series. Yay. Um, Yay. It's set in a Brooklyn that is under attack. Um, this series features uh, Caribbean folklore, mentor guides, including including a dying abuelito, uh, a neighborhood newspaper publisher, and an all-important librarian, which I love, and a strong-as-heck uh, Afro-Dominican uh, Latinx protagonist who learns she has the power to save her community through art. This is like, I love that. Oof. And uh, Zombies. <laughs> yes, there are zombies. You can't say no to this, but to this series, I really enjoyed this one. Me too. Uh, 
They're so outside good. my normal like reading, but I totally dug it. Page one to page the end. That's awesome. And I have to read his middle grade book. Um, man, all these YA authors that I love writing middle grade now are going to make me start reading middle grade. All right, well, we'll, we'll launch Hey MG uh, <laughs> sometime next year. <laughs> There's a spot for that out in the podcast world for sure. <laughs> Uh, before we sign off, I'll share one more because I teased it in the last uh, last recommendation I gave, and that's Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. And you may know Gabby Rivera from the America Chavez comment, comics, which also perfectly why appropriate. Um, but Juliet Take a, Takes a Breath is a feminist powerhouse that is um, – it's out and available now, but it's being re-released early next year through Freeform – with the hopes of maybe making it a television series, which I think would be brilliant if they did. Um, it's about a girl from the Bronx who is going to spend some time in Portland, Oregon to apprentice for this feminist author that she just utterly adores. And uh, Juliet is newly out as queer, and she knows that her identity as a Puerto Rican queer woman will really challenge her family. Um and it'll challenge herself. So she's hoping that the summer away will really help her to understand feminism more. And not just feminism as it is like on the pages of a book, but in uh, lived experience. And it takes some interesting, interesting roads to get there. Um, it's just a super empowering, super uh, feminist book that really looks at intersections as opposed to white feminism. And that is Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So is this is this where we say goodbye? I think this is where Aww. we say goodbye. Hey, thanks Aww. you two so much for, for having me sit in. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Oh, our yeah. pleasure. Yeah, thank you for joining us. It's you know, Eric and I haven't had a guest before, and it's so nice to hear even more like insight into YA, and not just insight from the writer's perspective, but from a reader's perspective. Yeah, Very and cool, also yeah. that this can work. <laughs> we can maybe <laughs> have another guest. <laughs> oh, uh, man, I can't wait to see who, uh, who the next third wheel will be. I'm excited for that. Well, thank you. To all of our listeners for tuning in this week as well. If you have any feedback about the show, leave it on Apple Podcasts to let us know how we're doing. And when you do that, it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. Thank you to Patrick for joining us as our special guest. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. Patrick, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Oh, patrickflorescott.com. Perfect. And uh, we will talk to you all again in two weeks. Yeah, I'll be listening in. <laughs> <laughs>